Heavenly Father, your will it is that we seek. Open our eyes, open our ears, so that we can find your will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So shortly after graduating high school, Bob Specka appeared on The Tonight Show. Now this is The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Most of you don't know who Johnny Carson is. Only those of us who are a little bit older knows who Johnny Carson is. But shortly after graduating high school, Bob Specka appeared on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson to show off his domino skills. Dominoes. See, Bob Specka was so good at dominoes that he set the very first world record in domino toppling with 11,111, I think that was probably on purpose, all ones, to have dominoes in a row falling down. See, over the next decade, he would break his own world record five times topping off at 97,500 dominoes. I tried doing dominoes once. Wasn't very good at it. Certainly not a world record holder. I think I maybe got to maybe 10. Part of it was I didn't have the patience to set them up. That and the dexterity to keep them up. See, once you knock that one down, they knock them all down. and It's ruined at that point, and I didn't have the patience to then set them back up. But Bob Specka, what he teaches us in this is that if you do the little things like they're big things, God will do the big things like they're little things. You know, we've been in this sermon series, Win the Day, based upon Mark Batterson's book by the same name. And one of the things I love about Mark Batterson's books are the chapter titles. Every time I see a chapter title, my mind gets going, what in the world is he even talking about? Last week, we looked at Kiss the Wave. And I was like, what does that even mean? But once you get into the chapter you, and you read the quote that it comes from, it all starts to make sense. Well, this is another one of those chapter titles. Eat the Frog. Eat the Frog. See, where that comes from, and it will start to make sense. Mark Twain is purported to have said, if you ever have to eat a live frog, it's best done first thing in the morning. Why? Because then you can go through the rest of your day knowing that the hardest task is already behind you. Eat the frog. It starts to make sense. According to a Duke University study, 45% of our behavior is automatic. Now, that's not a bad thing, unless, of course, they're bad habits that are automatic. See, without the ability to automate things, we'd have to relearn everything we do every single day all over again. Habitualization is not just a good thing, it's actually a God thing. Habits save us 
tremendous amounts of time and energy. But savings come at a cost. When something becomes second nature, we don't give it a second thought. And that's why sometimes we need to deconstruct and reconstruct our daily habits. There are lots of ways to be able to do that. You can study other people and look and see what they do and then try to hack their habits. But leadership starts with self-leadership. Self-leadership starts with daily habits. You can identify your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. If you know anything about it, that's what's called the SWOT analysis. Here's what I believe. You can reinvent yourself. You can reprogram your mind. You can repurpose your heart. You can even reinvent your body. Now, I'm I recognize that nature and nurture comes into play. There are genetics. There are, I will never be able to dunk a basketball for multiple reasons. One, I have really small hands that I can't palm a basketball. But two, I'm short. Three, I can't jump that high. Now, there is a day in my life when I was much younger that I could actually get my hand above a rim on a basketball goal. But having small hands didn't do any good. I could dunk a tennis ball, because I could palm a tennis ball. But a basketball, it'll never happen. There are genetics there. But that doesn't change my thesis, because I truly believe that if I'd worked hard enough and worked on my strength in my legs enough, I could have dunked a basketball. Because almost, any, almost anyone can accomplish almost anything they work at it long enough, hard enough, and smart enough. I told you a couple weeks ago about when I played tennis and how I learned to play tennis. When I first started playing tennis, my backhand was atrocious. So I'd run around my backhand all the time to try and hit a forehand because if I tried to hit a backhand, it'd go straight into the net. So I worked on it. I watched. I read. I did everything I could, and I forced myself to hit a backhand. And eventually, when I got to college and played in, in college, my backhand was better than my forehand. You work at it long enough, hard enough, and smart enough, you can accomplish almost anything. This is also a stewardship issue. See, it's making the most of your time, your talent, and your treasure. It's cultivating not only good habits, but habits that come from God. What we need to do, we, we, what I want to do is to help you hack your habits. Eventually, this morning, we'll talk about habit stacking and habit switching. But before we do, I, I just want you in your mind to pick a habit, any habit. It could be physical, it could be relational, it could be emotional, it could be mental, it could be financial, it could be spiritual. But in your mind, pick a habit. How do you eat the frog when it comes to that habit? You have to make it three things. Measurable, meaningful, and maintainable. Number one, make it measurable. Going back to that story about my backhand in tennis, I had to figure out a way to make it measurable. It's easy in tennis. Did the ball go in? If it didn't go in, I didn't succeed. 
getting better at my backhand or any other habit that you may be thinking of, like even getting into shape, are hopes. Getting a better backhand was a hope. It wasn't a habit. The habit were the, were the things that I had to do, the practice I had to do in order to make it a habit. You have to make it measurable. If you're trying to lose weight or get in shape, you have to count the calories, exercise more. Once it's measurable, it becomes manageable. And one way to do this is by adding timelines and deadlines. See, when it comes to goal setting, habit building, deadlines are lifelines. The second thing you have to do is make it meaningful. How do you make it meaningful? There are lots of ways. You can do it for someone else. See, habit formation isn't just for you be for those around you if it's about leaving a legacy it's about being a blessing find out what your why is and then look for it every day put a picture of it on your mirror in the bathroom set an alarm on your phone whatever it takes to make it meaningful in your life is enough to keep you moving forward towards that goal. Number three, make it maintainable. Along with being measurable, meaningful, our habits have to be maintainable. Now, it's okay to dream big, but you have to start small. You write two pages a day. You can have a book in 100 days. You're capable of more than you imagine, but consistency will beat out intensity every day of the week. You have to do it for a day. Then you have to do it again the next day, over and over again, until it becomes that habit. That's how our goals are accomplished. The good news? I believe anyone can do anything for a day. I can like Christmas for a day on Christmas Day, the only day that's appropriate for Christmas. Maybe I can't accomplish anything if I work at it long enough. Well, maybe. Well, that's another story. Um, but you have to make the habit measurable, meaningful, maintainable. There are two techniques we're going to look at that will help you do that. Habit switching and habit stacking. Two techniques that will help you eat the frog. In fact, Jesus had something to say about it that I find fascinating, and it took me a little while in digging a little bit deeper to actually see it in this passage. It comes Matthew 12, 43 through 45, which is an unusual passage. Jesus says, when an impure spirit comes out of someone, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, 
and they go and live there, the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Complicated verse, you probably are thinking, how in the world does that have to do with habit formation? The obvious question in this verse, why was the person worse off? Because they didn't cultivate daily disciplines necessary to back up that divine deliverance that they received from God. See, it's one thing to get the miracle, but if you just leave it there, you're not going to get any benefit out of it. If you want God to do the super, you have to do the natural. So you don't break a bad habit by not doing that bad habit. That may sound illogical, but it is true. It might work for a week or two, but it's not a long-term solution. Spiritually speaking, you don't stop sinning by not sinning. It's like someone saying, don't think about the jolly green giant. You all just thought about the jolly green giant. I wish eating the frog was as easy as just say no. But it's not. The solution is we need a bigger vision that is better than the temptation itself. See, the best way to break a bad habit is by building a good habit to replace it. Now, that's easier said than done. It takes time, it takes effort, but you've got to reinvest your time, your talent, and your treasure in a good habit. That's habit switching. I read an article that talked about the fact that all of us are addicts. Now, we don't like to think about it that way, but the question is, are those addictions positive or negative? Prediction could be reading the Bible. That'd be a good one. Are those addictions healthy or are they unhealthy? Holy or unholy? We are all addicts. The question is, to what? All of us could afford to complain just a little bit less. But you don't just stop complaining You've got to switch the habit. When you see something you don't like, it's easy to complain about it. You've got to figure out what to do instead. When someone pulls into your parking spot at work, it's easy to lose your temper. Figure out whose car it is and then confront them about it. Or you could just walk the extra 10 feet into work and use it for a good thing. Just got a little bit more exercise today. What are you doing when those situations come up in your life? You've got to switch the habit. The second key is what's called habit stacking. Habit stacking is coupling our habits with daily rhythms, daily rituals that we already do. And a simple way to do that is to turn certain times of day into an alarm. Set an alarm on your phone at certain times a day if you need to take some time to decompress, to pray. 
Habit stacking is coupling difficult habits with habits that come easy to you. If given the option, you can take the stairs at work when the opportunity presents itself. I do that when I get to work in the morning. I could hop the elevator because when I get there, the courthouse is closed. There's no public in there, so all the elevators are open when I get there in the morning. It'd be easy to hit the button because the elevator's always there. Or I could take the steps up four flights to my office. I take the steps because it's a great way to get a little exercise because I know I'm not going to get a whole lot of it while I'm sitting at work all day. It's habit stacking. Get to work early, take the steps. If I leave during the day and come back, the elevators take forever to come. So generally at that point, I'm lazy and I wait for the elevator. It'd be easy to take it in the morning, but I make that habit. I stack it with getting to work early with taking the steps. See, the nomenclature of habit stacking might seem new, but it's actually an old idea. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding today in your heart. The question is how. How do you keep them in your heart? How do you put them into practice? The answer is habit stacking. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home or when you are away. When you lie down and when you rise, bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God doesn't just give us commands. He couples those commands with daily rituals, like getting up and lying down. If you're trying to cultivate a prayer habit, one of the best ways is to do it first thing in the morning when you wake up and at night when you go to bed. Those rituals function as reminders to do that habit. Now, some of you are already habit stacking, and you might not even be aware of it. If you pray before a meal, you're habit stacking. The trick is putting this into practice across the board on everything that you want to do. Take that habit, take that thing that you don't really want to do, but you know you need to do it, and attach it to something you like doing. You stack, you've got to stack the hard habits with the rituals and routines that come naturally to you. Most of us are dehydrated most of the day because we don't drink enough water. And it has a detrimental impact on us physically. So get in the habit of every time you get up to go to the bathroom to fill your water bottle and start drinking it again. It helps to deal with that habit of not drinking enough water throughout the day. Show me your habits, and I'll show you your future. Over time, we will become the sum total of whatever our habits happen to be. Pick a habit, any habit. Can you do it for one day? Don't try to change 17 things 
all at the same time. You'll fail on the first day. Focus on one habit, maybe two if you're doing habit stacking. Listen to an audiobook or a podcast while you're exercising. It helps the exercising go by, and you're also learning as you're doing it, stacking two habits together. For better or for worse, we're the sum total of our habits. Bad habits always come back to bite us in the end. But good habits always come back to bless us in the end. Jesus said, with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. You'll get out of it what you put into it. See, ultimately, how you do anything is how you will do everything. See, we can't do it on our own with our own strength. And God is going to show up and show off when we commit our lives to him. The, the whole will be even greater than the sum of your habits. And the reason how that happens is through when God sends us his Holy Spirit. Now, I don't want to over-spiritualize or even under-spiritualize habit formation. Habit formation is an art. And it and a science, but it's also a spiritual battle. The battle is won or lost in our minds. It's mind over matter. King Solomon said, as a man thinketh in his mind. Almost anyone can accomplish almost anything. They work at it long enough, hard enough, and smart enough. It always starts with the first domino. You've got to fill out the application. You've got to make that first appointment. You've got to check the first box. You have to do that first workout. You have to lose that first pound. The key is we, we don't despise the day of small beginnings. All big change starts with one small change. If you want a six-pack, in your stomach, that is. If you want a six-pack, start by doing your age in sit-ups. Now, for you young people, that's a little bit easier than some of us older people. But do your age in sit-ups, and sooner or later, you might actually get yourself a six-pack. Write 100 words a day, and sooner or later, it will add up to a book. Every decision you make, every action you take has a domino chain reaction. We, over, we overestimate what we can accomplish in a single day. But we underestimate what God can do in a year or two in our lives when we submit to him. Consistency beats intensity every day of the week. It's the compound interest of daily habits that pays dividends. Give it enough time, and you can transform your body. You can transform your mind. You can transform your marriage. You can transform your finances. You can transform your attitude. Because if you focus on the outcome, the finish line seems so far away. 
If you've ever run a half marathon or a marathon, when you start, that finish line seems so far away. Amy and I ran one down in Florida, and it's the first time I had ever come into contact with First Watch. There's a restaurant was in Florida. And every mile, there was a guy holding a sign saying, Pancakes! And 12 miles, 11 miles, 10 miles, all the way down to the finish line. And when we got to the finish line, there were no pancakes. They had bananas, Gatorade, and apples. I wanted the pancakes. You focus on that outcome, the finish line feels so far away that we're tempted to quit before we even started. If they had told me that there was no pancakes at the finish line, I may have stopped at mile one. It all comes down to one question. Can you do it for a day? Pick a habit, any habit, make it measurable, meaningful, and maintainable. Do a little habit switching, a little habit stacking, and the cumulative effect of those daily habits will pay dividends until the day you die. And they will also leave an inheritance for all of eternity. And it all starts with choosing to eat the frog. Heavenly Father, thank you for the fact that that you encourage us to build good habits in our lives. Thank you that that you will send the Holy Spirit to give us that strength that we need when we don't think we have it on our own. The challenges often seem too much. But if we remember, all we have to do is eat the frog first thing in the morning because everything will be easy after that. We keep our eyes on you. Everything is easy because you did the hardest thing imaginable by giving your life up on a cross to release us from our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.